first lesson comes from Acts 1 through 5. Thank you, you may be seated. As the disciples waited for Jesus' promise to be fulfilled. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Our second lesson comes from the second chapter of Acts, verse 1 through 21. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. <clears throat> Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who, are, who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents to the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
bit of the story of when God made the church. It's one of the other ways that we could call this day Pentecost. And you'll work with me here a little bit. You might notice this morning that I'm not using the microphone that you've often seen me using. We are being adaptive and flexible this morning, and we're using this microphone. So perhaps when you hear that there's a need in the future, you might recall this day and remember that when God made the church. We all gather and wait, and Jesus is gone. And we were nervous. Everyone is curious to meet the one whom Jesus would send. The room was dark. Men and women, old people and young people, animals. Didn't hear that part before. Wait. Wait. Something is about to happen. I don't know if you can tell from where you're seated, but the illustrator decided to add a cat in the midst of the Pentecost story. You'll have to look afterwards. Suddenly, the animals move with excitement. Not just a cat, but a dog and a cow. What's that noise? It grows louder. It feels like wind and pounds like drum beats. It fills the room, loud and full. The room grows lighter. Something hot and blazing shines on us. The darkness is gone and fire fills the cool space and we've got a fire inside our bodies. Smiles paint our faces. We know that something is different. But is this what Jesus promised? A new sound is coming. Words. Words like raindrops. Some with loud sounds. Some with quiet whispers. Some like drum beats. Some that tiptoe through the air. People crowd about. They hear words and they recognize languages. Something new has happened. It is the Holy Spirit. Everyone asks questions. What is the Holy Spirit? And what is happening? Why do people feel different? Why do we hear so many languages? Peter stood up and I think he's going to speak. He opens his mouth and begins to preach. His powerful voice fills the whole space. Friends, something new is happening and Jesus gave us a gift. Young and old men and women are called to something new. God is changing us so we can see old things 
in a new way. So listen to the story of God's love in Jesus. Jesus came back to us. God raised him from the dead and gave us new life. We all heard what Peter preached, even in our own language. We heard it as one big family, people all together. And now we call this day, this is the pop quiz. Did anybody catch what it was called? I'm so glad. You guys are more awake than 8.30. (laughs) The day the church was born. Men and women, boys and girls, filled with the Holy Spirit, alive and risen. Alleluia. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for the church, a gift on Pentecost, where you remind us we are not one church, but your church. Help us to reach out to people all over the world. Amen. In general, one of the things I know about people is that we do not like to wait. When I was in college, the agreed-upon norm, see if it's what you did as well, is you could wait 15 minutes for a professor, and if they weren't there, you could go, right? You had the rest of the time to yourself. When you're meeting someone for lunch or for dinner, if they don't show up and haven't sent a message, you wonder how long before you decide to enjoy your own company or decide to move along. More than once, I've convened a meeting of dozens of people, and no one arrives until the exact moment. And I find myself grateful to wait for it. Most of you this morning made me wonder at 11 o'clock, CJ's nodding, (laughs) because at 10.50, I thought CJ and I, Bill as well, were going to be the ones in church this morning. We're certainly waiting for it. (laughs) By one study, In 2019, we spend approximately 20 months of our lives waiting. The question could be, what are we waiting for? Apparently, we are waiting for food to be cooked. We're waiting on our children. We're waiting on our partners. Doesn't say which one. We're waiting on slow technology. We're waiting on hold. We're waiting on traffic. We're even in that top 10. We're even waiting for the kettle to boil. Good news, about 31% of us actually like waiting. I think that's because we found something to do while we're waiting. 
The disciples and Jesus, when they returned to Jerusalem after watching him ascend into the bright blue sky and waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit, had a little bit of a different experience. Now, it can be nerve-wracking for us when we know exactly what we're waiting for. It's even more challenging when we don't know what we're waiting for, when we don't know when it's coming. When my Amazon packages come, I'm notified immediately after I order it. I'm notified the day it's coming, and I'm notified when it's 10 stops away. I could spend my time tracking my Amazon deliverer and know exactly when they're going to walk up to my front door not quite the same thing as the Holy Spirit. For nine days, the disciples had been together in Jerusalem. They'd been praising God day in and day out in the temple, no doubt. However, I know this about waiting. Even the strongest and the most committed, you begin to wonder, when? When will the baptism by the Holy Spirit come? Maybe they asked this in their own hearts as they prayed and as they taught. Ten days of revival? That's a lot of preaching. That's a lot of teaching. Ten days of getting the people prepared for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in this time, they'd gotten Matthias on board with the disciples. There was no notification that the Holy Spirit had been delivered in Jerusalem or received by the crowds who gathered at Solomon's porch. Instead, the disciples gathered to celebrate the Jewish festival of Shavuot, that's the revelation of the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's called the festival of weeks, we've called it. Seven weeks since Passover. It was familiar. They did it every year. When all of the sudden, there was something different that happened. It was the sound of wind that rushed into the place where they were gathered. It was the fire that burst forth onto the heads and imparted them with gifts. It was what they were looking for but didn't know to look for. When you were in elementary school, waiting for the summer seemed to take forever. You counted up until Christmas, and then you counted down to the last day of school. If you're in the Stroudsburg School District, I think there are 12 days left. Almost there. Almost. Almost. Almost there. Almost there. When you're preparing to get married, It can seem like that day will never come. The countdown to the big day is slow. Kind of remember that. When you're graduating, it can feel like the actual day will never come. There's always one more project, one more exam, too much to do. The graduation is on the horizon, and the launch? feels like it's farther yet. For the apostles, 
those 12 Galileans and the others who were singing and praising God. The Holy Spirit descended upon them because they were waiting. The fruits of the Spirit would be known in the years to come, but the immediate variety of languages were known to them on that day. Languages they'd never spoken before, and the familiarity in proclaiming the witness to God's glory. When you make an effort to speak someone else's language, even if it's basic phrases here and there, you say to that person, I see you as a human being. Trevor Noah, the comedian and late night talk show host, wrote those words in his memoir, Born a Crime. Noah shares about the 11 languages that are spoken in South Africa, where he grew up, as well as sharing the challenges and gifts of being a biracial child during the apartheid. His family spoke Kahosa at home, but interestingly, they always prayed in English. His grandmother asked him to pray because his English was the best. She reasoned, he wrote, that since the Bible was written in English, that maybe God would hear the prayers first. Now, he's a comedian, and the line is intended to be humorous, but I can imagine how she came to the conclusion, even though no one ever said it. She heard the Bible first in English. White English-speaking persons had no curfew and no restrictions, unlike herself and other black South Africans. She thought God must be busy answering their prayers first, she could think. You and I, we know the Bible was not originally written in English. We know that Jesus spoke Aramaic and it was written in Greek and Hebrew, later translated into Latin and then the English that I think the majority of us probably read it. We know this intellectually, but sometimes we who are in the habit of reading the words in English might imagine it's the language that God hears. We might see English speakers at the right and the left hands like James and John asked of Jesus. You remember that? Have we been saying God bless America so long that we've lost track? That God blesses other nations too? Is there a place within us that thinks that English language American prayers might be the one that God answers first. How good of God to know us even better than we know ourselves and to see these questions and foibles even before the church came to be. The pride of place and limitation of worldview addressed on the day when apostles were praying that God would show up. The wind started moving, and the apostles began 
to preach the good news. Since it was Shavuot, the Jews were gathered from so many different places, and they spoke all of these different languages. Like in Trevor Noah's book, can you imagine these streets filled with all of those different languages? And as they spoke, people heard it in their own language. Now, as they were waiting, God could have brought power in lots of different ways. There could have been miracles. There could have been healings. There, there could have been levitation. Remember the ascension? It happened in just that way. It could have been superpowers like we see in superheroes in the comic strips. Instead, the Holy Spirit came in power to grant the gift of communication across languages that threaten to divide us. The first apostles who were holed up and waiting for the Holy Spirit assumed their prayers would be answered first. I understand that. Sometimes I fall into that myself. There are times that they traveled with Jesus and they thought they got the inside scoop. However, the Holy Spirit is in the business of surprising us in the midst of wind and flame. Wind is caused by air flowing from one pressure to another and wind necessarily is change. Wind is not what has been or what will be. It's not about maintaining order, but sustaining life. In the passage, we also heard about prophecy. When you and I hear about prophecy, we tend to think about future events that get predicted. And that's one possible understanding of a prophet. But the most common is a truth teller, one who speaks truth to power. And Peter explains that to us. God will pour out the Spirit on men and women, young and old, slave and free, every category of people you can think of. The Holy Spirit doesn't have patience for power structures or who's holding what cards, like a tornado. The Holy Spirit is a leveling force, sharing the good news, not with a few, but with absolutely everyone. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do a ring and run like a mischief night prank. The Holy Spirit is a bit like a mosquito bite. You ever had one of these things that you just start to notice and you can casually touch and scratch, and then you can try to avoid noticing it, and then it starts to uh, get at you again, and you're not quite satisfied. I know this has happened to me before, until you are actively scratching at that mosquito bite. The Holy Spirit works on us in this same way with an idea planted in our mind or in our heart, and then you notice that same idea everywhere. 
You notice it in media and what people say, and it works on you until you explore what God has for you to do. The Holy Spirit comes and stays and works on us, molds us, moves us, changes us, and rewrites the story, even if it means dragging us along. The miracle of the Holy Spirit on the first Pentecost was to let us hear each other. And then we could see each other. The miracle of Pentecost was to bless our diversity and solidify our unity. One global church, born of the Holy Spirit on that Pentecost day. The good news, the Spirit hears all of our prayers. The miracle, that we might understand all of our prayers. We might understand each other. So go. Go and wait for it, Jesus says. When he ascends into heaven, may you too receive that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Receive the unexpected power of the Holy Spirit to change your life. Because you too are gifted gifted to share what the Holy Spirit has given you, not just here, but with the world. This, my friends, is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.